This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Known and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are Natalie and James Two games to go over the weekend's FA Cup game at Arsenal and Tuesday night's game at Sheffield Wednesday, which was a draw that nudged Burnley a little bit closer to the top two in the Championship. We'll also go over deadline day, a deal for James Sarkovsky that was completed, and we'll discuss whether it was a good window overall for the club, given all that's gone on. But we'll kick off with Arsenal away in the Cup. Burnley beaten 2-1, but gave a very good account of themselves, Natalie. At times, you, you wouldn't guess that there was a, a whole division between the teams. Absolutely not. It was a really, really good performance by um, our boys. Much, much better than um, the league game last year. Um, we we just seem to play with a lot more confidence than we, than we have done before. I, I discount the last, sorry, the first twenty minutes of, of that game just because I think they had a slow start. They looked very nervous and they just gave far too much respect to the um, to the Arsenal players. But once they found their feet, they were absolutely fine um, and they looked really, really good. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a great performance. I was really pleased. Burnley seemed to take a while to get going, James, but there was a period around the time of our goal, um, Sam Volk's header, when we were completely on top and Frederick Overstad was particularly good in midfield. Um, yeah, no, from what I heard of the game, it sounded like we, you know, we really made Arsenal work for it. And, you know, almost as if if they didn't have uh, Alexis Sanchez, you know, playing as well as he did, that it, it could have been a different result. Obviously, Arsenal rested players nicely, but we brought in a couple as well. Derrickwa set up the goal, and and Overstad was very promising in midfield. Those two players have not been in the team recently, but they must be pushing for for more action. You'd certainly think so. Um... I think I think Overstad had um, the, the better out of the two games, although uh, Derrickwa at times did have his hands full um, trying to, to deal with a, a very scary forward line when Arsenal, um, especially on the break. Um, so I think um, it, it was, it, yeah, you're quite right. It was a good performance of both of them. Even more impressive given that they haven't had a lot of match action between them and they've just come off the bench when they've been called on and put in a really good performance against a very, very good side. So we've got some real cover there and I'm really pleased to see the strength that we've got in the depth of our squad. I saw a bit of criticism for Derrickwa over the winner actually saying that he'd not tracked his man properly and people were having a go at Boyd for not tracking Sanchez into the box. But these are players that you say track your man, it's not as simple as saying track your man the movement and the pace is is on another level really isn't it oh 
for sure yeah and I think in real time we we also had a little bit of frustration we gave the ball away far far too cheaply and as soon as we gave it away you just knew they were going to score they they don't need um a stronger chance than that and it, it just looked like we were you know it left us very exposed at the back they had a man over when we, you know they were, they were pushing forward and you just knew what was coming next but you know against any other side you'd lose possession there and you know you get it back or you fight for it or you know it only sort of creates a half chance it's the frustration for that is that it's against a side like Arsenal who can um, create something out of nothing. I suppose you could say that once Arsenal got back in front at the start of the second half, they were always in control of the game. But the way Burnley performed, James, without wanting to count our chickens, if we were to get promoted, there's a lot of positives we can take from being so competitive against a team that are challenging for the title. Yeah, no, very, very true. And obviously, I, I... You know, you'd say Arsenal are probably one of the front runners at the moment for the, um, you know, for the for the title. Though obviously they've taken up to the hopes and that you'd say, but um, I, I think this was the case though. Unfortunately, wasn't it last season that you know in periods we showed that we could compete, um, but ultimately we just couldn't score enough. Um, hopefully, you'd think that next time around that that'd be the bit that we could add to our game, and and hopefully you know you'd you'd get that safety that we've looked for. One of the things um, that that happened quite a lot in the Premier League last year and maybe not so much but also in the first year in the Premier League was us having an early chance in a game, not taking it and going on to lose. I suppose since it was one all at half-time maybe didn't have that much of an impact but the early chance for Andre Gray when he's got Sam Volk steaming in at the back post. At the time, Natalie, did you feel that that was going to be a really big defining moment in the game? Uh, I think you worry about that because... You know, against sides like that, you don't, you often don't get that many chances. But actually, during the game, it didn't feel like it was a panic moment when, you know, when it didn't happen. You didn't think, well, that's it. You know, you know, we're not going to get any other chances. They put in a really disciplined performance. Did Burnley? They weren't running around like headless chickens. They weren't on the other side of that, running with their heads down. They just kept calm and they just worked hard. And you did feel that there could be one or two opportunities, not many, but they could try and catch them on the break or there would be a set-piece scenario that they could try and get something from. So, yeah, to, to some degree, yes, I agree with you, but actually during the game it didn't feel that much of a panic, to be honest, which is a good thing. We were all quite confident on the podcast last week, James, but when you draw the holders away, you, you can't be too disappointed at going out and now we can, of course, as everyone always says, concentrate on the league. Yeah, no, I think it's fair to say that, you know, while we're confident that maybe we could uh, go and steal something, um, no one really expected to go through against Arsenal, particularly at the Emirates. Um, Despite the predictions that were made on the No Name Ever podcast last week. It's almost like people don't take the predictions seriously. I, don't know. It, I think you've got to have a positive mental attitude, Smith. <laughs> but, uh, showing, you know, if you believe it, it can happen, or something like that. Visualise us uh, winning, and then we'll yeah. win. Exactly, but no, I think the you know concentrate on the league. It's probably become a cliche, hasn't it, for clubs near the top half of the Championship or the bottom half of the the Premier League to say that being out of the competition, cup competitions, is is good because it means you can um, concentrate on what you know what's most important. But you know, it, it definitely is the case, especially with a squad like ours where we we don't really use a huge number of players. Um, it, it's always good, obviously, to make sure everyone's 
fully focused. And... Were you a bit surprised there were more changes? There was only the two. I, I suspect Gray might not have played, but apparently he grew up an Arsenal fan and was very excited about the game, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I thought he could have probably made a, a, a few more. Um, well, Dean Marnie would have probably played, but he had a, a tight calf, didn't he, so he missed out. Yeah, so um, you know, there's a couple of changes maybe you would have made, but I think everyone knows that Sean Dash wants to keep mainly the same team, so it was just a, you know, a few changes to keep people um, sharp, I think. We'll leave Arsenal to one side for now, then we'll come on to the Sheffield Wednesday game a bit later, but we'll do transfers next. Burnley were able to complete a deal for Brentford defender James Tarkovsky. The press have reported that the fee may be £6 million rising. Apparently, it's actually more like £3 million rising towards £6 million. Obviously, Brentford have briefed it as high as possible, as they did with Andre Gray, which was reported as £9 million rising when it was £6 million rising to £9 million. Um, we've done Tarkovsky on the, the podcast before, James, but at one point, it didn't look like the deal was going to happen and then got done on deadline day. So, good news that we've managed to get that deal over the line when we struggled with players before like Lansbury that looked like they were on and then turned out to be off yeah no obviously it's, it's always good to, um, you know, to, to get a target particularly when you identified a little while ago and it, you know it's so often we see these ones where um, this one obviously had gone a little bit quieter but you know clearly he has a very valid you know reason for wanting to come back now if I don't think anyone can uh, because you wanted to be near his, his mum but um, it, obviously it's great that we're the team who managed to, to get him in the end and it sounds like we paid what's probably a fair price for someone who's, you know, the age he is coming into his prime and, and could be a fixture of the team for a long time to come. Um, if, if you're not aware, by the way, what James is referring to there is the fact that Tarkovsky's mum is apparently seriously ill. He's from Manchester, so presumably the family are based in the area and he made it quite clear that he wanted to move back to the north to be close to his mum, sort of a reverse. Um, Eddie Howell obviously wanted to go back down south when his mum died. Uh, Natalie, the statement that Tarkovsky put out when he talked about his mum and was really honest about the circumstances, do you feel like that was a bit of a turning point? Because the Brentford fans were quite um, angry at him before that for the way he handled it. Quite possibly. Um, obviously, we don't we don't know the ins, ins and outs of it and we don't know, you know how much um, of that statement was PR move as well you know players do have to be a lot more media savvy this time they do have to protect their own brand so I made this very clear whilst I'm not disputing the contents of it um, it, it did feel very strange that it, it came a good two weeks after um, the uh, you know the initial incident where he you know he demanded that he'd be dropped out of the game so we will never know what was behind you know him coming out and saying that um, it whether or not the Brentford fans are going to forgive him, I think they'd, they'd sort of written him off anyway and said that he was on his way out um, and they were probably quite happy to see the back of him. I'm not entirely sure the personal reasons will have been sufficient for them to give him since he was leaving anyway. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's just a time for everybody to, to draw a line under it now and, and hopefully see him have a fresh start back home. We, we've done this before and, and how he might fit in, but it's quite a big fee, James. You, you'd assume he's going to come into the side at some point, but... Presumably, he'll have to wait for his chance with the the good form me and Keane have been in recently. Yeah, potentially. Though, obviously, I, I haven't seen um, the Sheffield Wednesday go today, but you know, if, if there's maybe some blame that could be apportioned there, you know, maybe slightly harshly, but that could be seen as an opportunity to get him in. Like you say, he's a big ticket sign, and you probably don't want to have him sat on the bench for too long. So, 
it's probably not going to take a massive mistake. Um, you'd think for him to get in, and you suspect it's probably likely Ben Me. Do you think that Me would then move across the left back, and it'd be Ward dropping out as as we've suggested before on the podcast? It's it's really difficult to say, I think, isn't it? Because um, you know Ben Me was uh, I thought had a, a good season um, at left back, but at the same time Stephen Ward's been very good since he came in. So I think it really depends on you know what Dash thinks offers the best for for the side. And um, you know, on the form we've had while Ward's been at left back, I think it's hard to, you know, argue against him at the moment. Still unbeaten, of course, since we moved to the the new look back four, which I'm sure will be key in Dyche's thinking. And the other deal that looked like it was going to get done but wasn't um, a loan deal for Alex Pritchard from Spurs seemed like he'd chosen us over Middlesbrough, which would have been a nice little coup. We'll come on to Middlesbrough a bit later, um, but instead went to West Brom. Um, Natalie Pritchard seems to be the backup plan for Alan Judge, which didn't happen because of a gap in the valuation. But we're obviously in the hunt for a bit more creativity. Definitely, um, I think most of us were incredibly frustrated um, when the Pritchard deal fell through. Um, it's really disappointing, to be honest. I think we all got very excited when that looked like it was going to happen. Um, he would have been really, really good cover. As with the same with with um, the other um, sign that we made as well, you, you struggle to see who's going to get dropped and how he's going to come in. That might have had an impact as well in his decision to go to West Brom instead of coming to us. But we are so obviously, you know, crying out for some cover in that midfield and some creativity in in the side. Albeit we have improved dramatically over the last few games, you know, in that sense with scoring goals. So. I don't know. I'm assuming now that he is going to carry on looking in the loan market and see if anybody else is available. But yeah, it was a bit of a blow that we lost that one, to be honest. I've seen a bit of criticism for the club over this and people who've listened to the podcast for the last few years will know that I'm not averse to, to being critical when things go wrong on transfers. But I really think we've been a bit unlucky here. Judge never seemed likely. I don't think we're ever likely to get Judge and Tarkovsky, but... Pritchard seemed to be done and another club comes in, a club in the Premier League, I don't think there's that much you can do about it. What's your view of the, the Pritchard transfer, James? No, it, it's really disappointing to hear that obviously the Pritchard move didn't come off. Um, I think it's someone who Dash has been with for quite a while actually and um, it's clearly someone who he felt could improve the team but um, it, it it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, if, if there's a better opportunity for someone out there then you know, you can't really begrudge them for taking it. I think the, the frustrating thing for me is that I can't see him getting a game for West Brom. He was on the bench today. Fair enough, he's coming back from injury, but he, he doesn't strike me as a very Tony Pulis-type player, whereas the opportunity to come to Burnley, and I would expect him to get in the team here, link up with Andre Gray, who he has a good relationship with. They did well together at Brentford. It seems to me like he's he's chosen sitting on the bench rather than playing. I mean, he'll back himself to get in the side at West Brom, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen for him. No, it is a, it is a weird one. And, um, but, you know, if, if he gets one chance in the Premier League and he makes a big impact, obviously, that, that maybe looks better for him than um, if he does really well for the rest of the season here. So, you know, maybe he's looking at it that way. Can I just pick in, back up on that, actually, Jamie? Because that's quite interesting that you had an opposite view there to someone that my gut reaction with that was that he would be more likely to pl- to get a game at West Brom and, and sit on our bench. So if if we, we think if so. we assume 
Yeah, well, that, that was my gut instinct, but this is what I, I'm quite open to being... He's very, very good. Wrong. Yeah, He's no, good, I, but, but that, I think Pulis is quite similar to Dash in a way, that he likes his wide players to be quite up and down. Like he loves James McLean, even though he's got very little end product because he runs all day. Yeah. I'm not sure Pritchard's that sort of player. Yeah, that was more actually aimed at, at Brommers, suggesting that he wouldn't get in outside. I mean, no, no, no. That's James. That's good. not what I was saying at all. That's not what I was saying at all. What I was the point that I was making was the reason why I was I wondered whether he would get in our side and, and was who Deitch would drop. And that was one of my question that I was going to pose to you. Obviously, you you guys are quite confident that he would play. Um, a lot for us. Let's assume that it didn't happen. What happened? Sorry, let's assume that what happened didn't happen at the week at um, the window, and he actually signs for us. Do you play him every week? Question number one and number two. Who do you drop? I, I think it's clear that that Dash thinks we could add something extra out wide. We're obviously in for Judge and we're in for Pritchard, so it's presumably one of the two wide players. And since Boyd is the one who had a spell out of the team, and Arfield, he stuck with Arfield, even though he had a dodgy patch form. I, I would expect Boyd, but. I suppose we spent three million quid on Boyd, and we've got to trust him to come good as well. I don't know what your view is, James. Much the same. I think that you know George Boyd would have probably made way. I think it's interesting though that Arfield and Boyd have both been better recently. I don't know how much that you can attribute to the changes in defence that seem to have solidified the whole team, but Arfield and Boyd have definitely picked up in the last few weeks, and whether us being certainly in the papers in for a player of the quality of Alan Judge who would definitely go in the team maybe that's motivated those two to pick their game up you don't know what's going on behind the scenes yeah that's a good point that's a very good point I don't think he's dropping our field just because he plays too well with um, the front two I think Boyd's going to have to be the one I would expect so it'll be interesting to see if, if Burnley continue to to look for a creative player on loan might my suspicion is that Pritchard was the backup option, so it might take a little while to identify new targets. Uh, the January transfer window overall, then, um, I posted a poll on Twitter because engagement, and that's what people do these days, apparently, to see how people rate the, the success of the window overall um, by school grades. The most popular option by far was B to C. Um, nearly 60% of people said B to C. 14% said A star to B plus, 20% said C minus to D minus, and 7%, um, pro- presumably Rovers fans who hijacked the poll, said E to fail. Um, James, do you think B to C is about fair? We kept hold of all our best players and brought in Tarkovsky and a couple of fringe players as well? Yeah, I'd say it was a solid B. Um, you know, I, I think we went and, and did what we needed to. That There wasn't really a lot that we, you know, we need to do. I don't think. If you look at the team compared to last time we went up, there's already more depth there to start with. You know, you probably would have said, obviously centre back. I think everyone said was something that we needed to pick up in. We've done that. Um, obviously, we we brought in a backup goalkeeper as well, which you know is clearly because there's um, an issue there uh, with you know Gilks's health. But I, I think. You know, maybe maybe a wingy would have liked, but that's only really because we haven't seen enough from the ones we've got. It's not that there's not enough depth there. So, you know, I'd, I'd say all round it's been solid and it's achieved what, you know, it's put us in a position, I think, to to do what we want this season. I think as as well, the point on the wingers, I think I think there's, there's still more we can get out of Kitely and Taylor. Kitely 
was an important player, certainly towards the end of the season two years ago when he scored some important goals. Matt Taylor scored, was it four goals, I think, this season, despite not really playing a lot. So we can squeeze a bit more out of those two as well as maybe trying to bring someone in. Yeah, Matt Taylor actually seems to be a really strange one, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's fitness with Taylor, but I'd expect to see more of him than we have. How little playing time he gets, obviously, he's come on today. And it, it, it's more that I can't really figure out what scenario he's actually brought on in. There doesn't really seem to be a pattern to his usage, um, which is just make it seem quite strange. And I, I suspect you're probably right, and it's that he hasn't got the legs for 90 minutes, so he is a, an impact player, and um, he comes on in games where we think he can make a difference. It's easy to assume that, but he started at Forest and played 90 minutes and scored at the end, didn't he? So he's, he's sort of proving that wrong. Um, a few comments on social media to that poll. Uh, that we'll go through as well before Natalie does Tweet of the Week, which was phenomenally popular on its launch last week. Uh, Nick Paninski said he was wishing for an exciting winger or a better central midfielder than Jones. Steve Sidwell was available. Um, we'll leave that one there. I could do a whole podcast rebutting that comment. Jones is much better than Steve Sidwell. Um, Rich said, very good. Getting a ball-playing English centre-half under the age of 25 for an initial fee of £3 million is a great deal. Sussex Carrot BFC said, fairly pleased. Talks will strengthen the squad. Robinson signed back up, disappointed, no attacking pace, added, still lacking. Tom Warb87 said, pleased with Tarkovsky, young potential moving upwards and resale value opposite for Robinson. Um, and Ian Chase said, Paul, we have money, yet invest in an area where we have cover in Duff and Long. We needed a winger and a striker. Natalie, what sort of grade would you be looking at for the transfer windows at the whole? I think... I think I, I agree uh, with James. I think B is a pretty good grading for that. Um, I, I don't think I think you'd be hard pressed to find a Burnley fan who isn't disappointed that we didn't bring more creativity in in terms of a winger. Um, very very pleased with the Tarkovsky deal. I think to, it's such an statement of intent to spend that money on um, the future of our defence, but also um, as really good quality cover in what was a very vulnerable area of the squad. Looking at, we've said this before on previous podcasts. The squad that we do have at their full potential is good enough to be challenging for that top two, and should have, should have been doing better than it was doing at the time. That now seems to have, have improved. The teams gelled very well, and they are obviously getting some really good results. There's a tendency among fans sometimes to have a bit of a knee-jerk reaction and think because our competitors are spending that we have to go out and buy, 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 buy six or seven players. Well, you don't necessarily always need that. Sometimes if you really think about it and look at the squad and who's going to play week in, week out, you maybe only need one or two tweaks. If we manage to get a winger in on loan, I think it will have been a perfect window. Excellent stuff. While we're talking about Twitter, then we went through some reactions there. Tweet of the week this week, Natalie. What have you gone for? This week, our tweet of the week goes. We really should have a jingle for tweet of the week. Adam, Adam, make us a jingle for tweet of the week, please. Thank you. Definitely. Um, Tweet of the week this week goes to Vicky Devonport. She sent me in a tweet from the Arsenal game. She went down there um, as well on Saturday. And the, the text of the tweet simply says, we thought Thierry was not appropriately dressed. And attached to the tweet is a photograph of the Thierry Henry statue outside of the Emirates with him sliding on his knee celebrating a goal. And they have completely hijacked him and dressed him in Claritin blue scarves and hats. So well done, Vicky. That was a great tweet. 
and uh, we shall uh, we'll get that out on on the the Twitter page soon. Also, the scenes have put a bag of shopping at his feet, which is a bit weird. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> almost cropped that little bit off, but nonetheless, it's still it's Thierry Henry yeah. went to Tesco before that game. <laughs> no, he's so desperate to deck himself in claret and blue. He went down to the to the market and got himself some uh, some good stuff. Yes, it's a good yeah. tweet. Well done. One last point on the transfer window then. Uh, the biggest deal in the Championship was Middlesbrough's move for Blackburn Rovers striker Jordan Rhodes. £9 million rising towards 11, 12, 13, 14, £15 million apparently. Um, the deal was on and then off and then on and then off and then off and then on again. Apparently Rhodes' personal terms scared them off at first. Um, James Middlesbrough fans seem confident that Rhodes is going to be the missing piece in the puzzle but He's only scored one league goal since November. Okay, Rovers don't create a lot of chances under Paul Lambert, but do you think he's going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. It's a lot of money for an occasional goal scorer, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> yeah, occasional goal scorer, Jordan Rhodes. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. He's he's a strange player, isn't he, Jordan Rhodes? Because he scores a lot of goals, but at the same time, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's exactly good, and that, that probably doesn't make much sense, but. I don't think he's a good footballer. He scores goals, but I don't think yeah, he's, he's, he's no use outside of the box. And you have, I think, you have to set the team up to serve him. Yeah, he he, he can just score goals. But on the face of it, it, seems like an awful lot of money. You know, we paid six million for Andre Gray, who's um, you know almost running away with the the championship uh, golden boot competition. Um, so you know, for it to be worthwhile, you, you think he has to score a lot of goals to to live up to the price tag. But at the same time, obviously, Middlesbrough are a team that would definitely lack in uh, goal-scoring prowess up front. So if they can play to his strength, which is, you know, getting the ball within scoring range, because he can't do anything else, um, then, you know, he could be really successful for them and he could be what gets them over the line this season. I think the interesting for me thing for me is that he is a little bit out of form and he's got to then adapt to to how Middlesbrough play, they've got to adapt to him. I don't think he's necessarily going to make an immediate difference to them. I mean, he might come in and score loads of goals straight away, it might be completely wrong, but I think if you're looking for a player to come in and hit the ground running and immediately start scoring loads of goals, I don't think he's particularly the right man. And lots of stats around on, on roads as well. Something I should probably point out though, Jim, is that mm-hmm. you do like to keep saying he hasn't scored um, in several months, but he actually had scored on the 23rd of January for Blackburn. Wasn't that the cup game? I've said one league game, didn't I? One league goal since November is the line I've been using. He scored two in a week. One was in the FA Cup and one was in the Championship against John. So, one league goal since November is accurate then? Oh, I thought you said he hasn't scored a league goal since November. No, you need to pay more club. Put your PlayStation down and concentrate on what I'm saying, James. <laughs> the stat I was, I was going to bring up before that little... Um, exchange was that since the start of last season when when Andre Gray moved to Brentford Rhodes has scored 32 goals I think in all competitions and Gray has 36 Um, apparently Rhodes' goal to game ratio is better but that just means he's been injured more than Gray Um, but that as a basic comparison of the two players I think proves that that Gray is a superior player to Rhodes Um, Natalie what's your view on this It's, it's an awful lot of money but Middlesbrough's point of view, if he scores the goals that get him promoted, it won't matter how much he costs. Absolutely. We we see this time and time again in in the market, especially in um in the championship where the prize money 
um, especially for a side like Middlesbrough who haven't been in the Premier League for, for a while now, um, you know, they the pressure is on to get promoted. So they will see that price tag as a what the market demands for a goal scorer and number two, a calculated risk to get them into the Premier League. Um, I, it's you know it, it's it's pretty much what we did with Gray, isn't it? Um, albeit we didn't pay um, quite as much as that, but we. I think t- the, the only difference is that the money we spent on Gray is money that we will at some yes. point one day get for Danny get Ings. Back. Yeah, that was that was absolutely going to be the, the point I was going to come on to. Number one, it's relative to to our expenses, but it, it the point I was getting at is that teams make a calculated risk to get into the Premier League and as long as it's within their means and as long as it's not putting the business in jeopardy Grey wasn't for us and we assume that the Rose deal isn't doing the same for Middlesbrough then that's the nature of the business in the fight to get into Premier League now What was interesting for me and obviously the new TV deal comes into effect in August doesn't it so I think teams are even more desperate to either get in the Premier League or stay in the Premier League because the money is just going to be phenomenal from next year the interesting thing for me was that they went in for him, um, started talking personal terms, and then pulled out. They must know that he's on ludicrous. He was on ludicrous money at Rovers. It was reported that he was on something like forty grand a week. They must have known that. It really confused me when they pulled out and then went back in because did they just not do their homework? Potentially. Um... You know, we all know agents run run the show at the moment, and they play a very tricky game to try and get deals over the line and they play everybody don't they you know they are the orchestrators and all of this um i i suspect they probably did know um but i suspect that either one of two scenarios happened either middlesbrough played it very cute and expected him to they expected him to maybe drop a little bit with the promise of a bigger goal bonus or performance bonuses or um they they knew ex- uh, sorry or they no you're right that the, the the agents didn't tell them how much it was and they got a bit of a shock when they found out I, I I don't know it's a bit of a funny one really um the whole thing just played out very very weird I read somewhere um a local newspaper report from Middlesbrough that the, the whole package so the fee add-ons Rhodes wages over the course of I think they were talking about a four and a half year contract it was going to be thirty million pounds altogether which. It's, it's it's such a staggering amount of money it's hard to get your head around but as a comparison the last accounts Middlesbrough released their total revenue was £16 million so they were going to pay two years revenue over the course of Rhodes contract for the players just astonishing and one more point on, on Middlesbrough that I wanted to raise James their fans have got this bee in their bonnet about Sean Dash being obsessed with them um, what's your take on this whole situation the fans on, on social media have got this idea into their head I think he's mentioned them what once or twice in the they, they reckon that he talks about him all the time but we've played him twice so he's obviously been asked about him around those two games and I think he's mentioned him maybe once or twice apart from that yeah I mean I can remember once he, he's mentioned them um, when we weren't playing them so you know I don't think that's you know too much is it but I don't know, maybe they're a bit like Derby fans who seem to have picked up an issue with us over the last couple of seasons for no real apparent reason. Other than obviously them being bottlers and us not. But. You think it's a, a bit of mind games from, from Dash, Natalie, trying to put a bit more pressure on them? Karanka seemed to, to bite at his pressure comment, didn't he? He said the pressure's on Burnley, even though they're the team spending £9 million on players and in the top two. 
I'd really like to think it is, um, just because I, I just find it hilarious that, that just to think of Deitch in the background just casually winding up and trolling the rest of the championship. Because you're quite right, the, the pressure isn't on us, and it never has been on us. Even you know, stay, trying to stay in the Premier League, you know, the pressure wasn't on us. We, we've done it, we've done everything the right way, and we, we've lived within our means. And there are managers in this division. Derby and Middlesbrough, definitely the, the biggest two, who are under significant pressure. And I'd just love to, to think that he's just sat there chuckling to himself and just trying to get in the heads and just make them lose the concentration. I think it'd be brilliant. Do you reckon it is, is partly that, James? Dash just trying to get whatever advantage he can? Or is it just fun for him? Um, I don't know. I, to be honest, I think he's a very um, very honest as managers go, isn't he, when he's asked about business dealings. And I think, you know, that clearly the pressure is on them to some extent isn't it when they're in the the top two and they they feel the need to spend that much money because they can't score goals um you know we may be be further down the table than they are but we've shown recently that scoring goals isn't really a problem for us um which is something that i don't think's ever been the case previous has it under dash we've not been known as a team that goes out and scores four or five in a game um so you know i think it is a fair point that you know, maybe from that point of view, they're under more pressure than we are. Tuesday's result then, a one-all draw at Sheffield Wednesday. Inches Burnley a bit close to Middlesbrough. The gap is now three points, although they've played two fewer games than us. Um, Natalie, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so we haven't seen much of the game, but one-all at a team that's been in good form, chasing the playoffs. Decent result, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think before the game, we would have all thought that a point um, that Wednesday was a very good result. It always feels a little bit more deflating when you take the lead and then give up that lead and you end up conceding an equaliser. It always feels like you know, you, you've lost what could have been because when we went 1-0 up, you start dreaming about possibly uh, winning the game and that would have been an absolutely massive result for us. In the context of the season, it's a very good result. From what I understand and from what I've seen, they put us under a lot more pressure in the second half um, than we would probably have liked. So in that sense, you know, if they've, if they've maintained a good disciplined performance in that second half and we've earned a good point away from home, then I think that is going to stand us in very good stead for them running. Another goal for Andre Gray, James. We talked recently about how he doesn't seem to be scoring goals away from home, but he's got a couple recently, so he's obviously put that behind him. Yeah, no, obviously it's, it's good to see him score away from home. Um, I don't think it was anything that any of us were too concerned about those or see he's, he's quite he's a couple of goals clear I think isn't he, at the top of the championship top goal scorer table um, you know and as long as he does keep getting and as long as you know other people in the team keep getting and then um, you know I think that's all fine from uh, that point of view It is the, the first time we've dropped any points since we've taken the lead so it was a bit of a surprise when the equaliser came but Ross Wallace involved he's had a new lease of life at Sheffield Wednesday and he seems to be tearing it up down there, which he didn't really do for us over his time at the club. I suppose no regrets over letting him go, but he's he's certainly got one over us tonight involved in the build-up for the Sheffield Wednesday goal. Yeah, it usually happens, doesn't it, when, when we face players who used to play for us. I don't think that there's uh, any animosity anywhere between, between the player and the club and the fans. It was the right time for him to go. He wasn't getting regular football with us and obviously players, especially 
you know, in the championship level, don't want to spend all the time on the bench. So I think it was probably he was probably good, glad to go, and we were glad to see him go. I don't mean that in a nasty sense, but I meant the timing was right. Um, I I believe he probably had a, an, an added bit of incentive to play well tonight, as most players do against the former size. They want to show them what uh, they're missing, don't they? But yeah, it's, it usually happens, doesn't it, when players do well against us? They've also just signed Aidan McGeady, so that's going to be pressure on his place, which over his time at Burnley, we've we've always seen he, he improves his game when he's got someone on his shoulder. Um, big game's coming thick and fast then. Burnley hosting Hull at Turf Moor at the weekend. Currently the league leaders in the Championship, but the Clarets could close that gap to Hull to a single point. And if results go our way, Middlesbrough play Rovers at the weekend. If results go our way, we could well be in the top two. Um James, we took a bit of a hammering at, at Hull on Boxing Day, probably the worst performance of the season. So, with the game coming not that long after that match, it's only five weeks ago, that's going to be fresh in the memory and surely we'll be out for revenge. Yeah, I, I think this is an absolutely massive game. Um, you know, I think if you'd looked at the, the fixtures coming up a few weeks ago, you'd probably be circling Derby and Hull as, as two must wins to, to really show that we, we intend to get promoted this season. And, um, you know, if we can if we can play the way we did against Derby, uh, well, or at least get the result we did against Derby, not necessarily be average and rely on uh, their centre backs losing their minds, um, then obviously it'd be a great sign for the season if we if we've got another big win under our belt. It's another opportunity for us to lay down a marker, isn't it, Natalie? That win over Na- uh, over over Natalie over Derby was, was certainly an opportunity to show that we we're going to be up there, but. If we could beat Hull, then it suddenly starts to look like a three-horse race, do you think? Definitely. I think the Hull game, for me, is um, a completely different kettle of fish than Derby. Um, Hull are um, a very strong side who are in form at the moment. Derby are starting their annual meltdown a little bit early um, and just completely went to pieces when playing us. I don't expect... Hull to be that lacking in discipline when they come to us. I expect it to be an incredibly tough game. If we beat them on Saturday, um, we can absolutely 100% challenge for the top two. Um, They beat us and I think the gap um, is a little bit too much to claw back and I I fear we're going to be um, playoffs uh, only, probably third place. But yeah, it's it's huge. It's it's a game I'm really nervous about on Saturday. The the points gap is small, but We've played more games than both Hull and Middlesbrough at this point, so this is a really good opportunity to put us in a strong position. Um, James, I don't suppose there'll be any changes to the team. We always know what Dash is going to do. Tarkovsky will presumably come into the squad, though. Yeah, you'd, you'd assume there's a minimum that he's, he's on the bench. Um, you know, and there's maybe a good chance he starts, but obviously Hull's a massive game for us, and it might be one where you don't really want to make that kind of change. Um, so maybe you know, give him a week on the bench uh, to be around the players, etc. And then bring him in um, going forward. Round off with predictions then. Burnley beating 3-0 at Hull. Surely out for revenge. Big game in the Championship, probably the game of the weekend. Natalie, we'll start with you. Can Burnley extend the unbeaten run and really heap more pressure on the, that top two? No, they can't. No, is, I, this, is this a reverse this, psychology it's, again? It's, I said last week that we oh, were going to test it and I went for a solid win against Arsenal and we got beat. So that just proves that I need to get back on the horse. And I've taken a bit of abuse on Twitter. That is proof, absolute proof. It's absolute proof. 
people have been tweeting me tonight concerned that I've lost my power, so we need to claw this back. So I'm going to say, no, we aren't going to win on Saturday. I'm really concerned about the game, and I think Hull are going to give us an absolute thumping, and they're going to win 3-1, so it's a loss for Burnley. A little subplot, as we mentioned, Jordan Rhodes going back to, to play against his old club. Presumably he'll be in the Middlesbrough team, but it's it's an opportunity, isn't it, with with that going on elsewhere? Middlesbrough have lost a couple of games. What's your thoughts, James? Do you think we could be in the top two? Do you think we're going to win? I, I do think we're going to win. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a tight one. Um, you know, it's a really good side coming to the turf. Um, so I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, but I think, you know, something like a 2 1. Um, can definitely see that going our way. And um, particularly if we've got a good crowd as well on the day, which you'd, you'd hope. So you'd hope the crowd are going to be up for such a big game. Excellent stuff. Well, that is about all we've got time for on this week's podcast. We've covered a lot. The FA Cup game at Arsenal and the draw at Sheffield Wednesday. We've covered transfers, Middlesbrough's obsession with Sean Dyche and the signing of Jordan Rhodes as well. Hull coming up at the turf at the weekend. A big game. We'll do that on next week's podcast. Thanks to James and Natalie for joining me. Um, Email us if you've got any feedback or questions or if you want to come on the podcast at some point, get in touch. The email address is podcast at net. You can also tweet us directly at net. Natalie will be keeping an eye on the tweets all this week for the phenomenally popular Tweet of the Week function, which may have a jingle by then, so that's something else to look forward to. Um, but thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. It is Tarkovsky, isn't it? What you want? Tarkovsky, isn't it? Yeah, but it said Tarkovsky. I don't think it oh. is. I thought that's what, that's what Brentford called him as a joke because he was Ofsky. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.